0: What's going on, everybody? This is Ballers on Tap. I'd like to welcome you to week three of the podcast. Had to take a week off, but we are back and better than ever. Of course, I'm your host, Evan Kelly, along with the co-host, Mr. AJ Williams. What it is, what it do, what it ain't. Whatever that means. (laughs) So (laughs) here we go. Jumping into episode three. We got a good one here for you. Of course, uh, our UGA fans out there, we're going to go over what we saw at the G-Day game over the weekend. We were there on site. Incredible atmosphere for a spring game. For a spring game. Packed out stadium. Awesome. We will definitely get into more detail on that coming up. And then we're going to jump straight into the Braves. Um, They've had some ups and downs here a little bit, but... We are recording this on Wednesday, April 25th, and there's some big news coming up tonight, so I will let AJ, Mr. KK, FYA, get that to you. And then we're going to jump just a quick preview into the NFL draft, um, see what teams are looking at. Of course, that's going on this weekend, a lot of buzz going around up there. And then, of course, the second half of the show, we're going to cover exclusively NBA playoffs, touch on each series series. Um, Some of them are done, some of them aren't, but just spend a few minutes on each series going over what we're seeing and what we're expecting coming up in the next week. So, with that being said, AJ, we got this beer today. Drafty Kilt
1: Drafty Kilt
0: from Monday Night Brewing. So, this is another local Atlanta brewery. They're just easy to grab where we go get our beers. That's why we have so many Atlanta brews, but I'm not mad about it. So like AJ said, it is from Monday Night Brewing. This one is called Drafty Kilt, and it is indeed a Scotch Ale. So let's see. First impressions. So here we go, opening the Drafty Kilt. Let's go ahead and uh, pour it up. All right, AJ, what's it looking like? It's uh, really, really
1: dark. It has a good head on it. It kind of, just looking at it, it reminds me of Guinness.
0: It does, sitting there in the glass. Even kind of has that smell, too. Looks a lot like Guinness, again. Uh, Definitely a dark, dark beer with that kind of that thick, foamy head up top, just like a Guinness. Um, But I got to say, taste-wise, definitely not Guinness um little bit but to me it's almost more bitter than uh, a regular guinness that's that's what i'm thinking i mean i'm not a fan of guinness i know you are
1: um so it tastes similar to me but i know you, you yeah don't i'm think so, a, i'm but. a guinness aficionado yeah
0: so yeah definitely to me not guinness um i will say i think what what's setting it apart the most and they even have this on the can is it's a little smokier And I think that comes with it being the scotch ale. They try incorporating some of those scotch elements into the beer. So if that makes any sense, it's definitely a hint of smoke in the ale. Um, But I will say... I I think that's
1: kind of what makes it kind of bitter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the bitterness. I'm enjoying it, though. I don't don't know if it's your taste, but it's definitely my taste. And we always say this about every beer, looking at the alcohol content. (laughs) Um, This one is coming in at a... Smooth seven point two percent. I think that's the strongest one we've had so far. It might be. I forget what the Orpheus. I know the
1: Orpheus. The Orpheus was. I want to say that was like a low six, high five. It was. At, it was
0: lower than lower than I thought it would be. That's what it was. That's. I what think because the IPA was stronger than the Orpheus. Yeah, that, the that's what water it was. IPA. So, so this might be the strongest. I got confused because that week we tried the Orpheus. I had another Orpheus that was at ten percent, but uh, yeah. So the Drafty Kilt. This is the strongest one we've tried so far. And like I said, to me, it is, it's nice. It doesn't taste like 7%. Um, I mean, I think Guinness, no, it, it, yeah. Guinness is right around 5%. And like you said, it's similar. I can taste the differences. Definitely smokier, um, a little more bitter. And for those of you who don't know, again, Monday Night Brewing is local to the Atlanta area. For those of you in the area, go check out the brewery over in West Midtown, um, and they're they're relatively new. They've been around since about 2006, so about 12 years old. But you can't really go anywhere in Atlanta, any store, without seeing them on the shelves. I
1: mean, yeah, that's true. And again, if you have a beer that you want us to try, if you're tired of hearing about these Atlanta beers or you're tired of hearing about our reviews and you want your favorite beer, beer to be reviewed, hit us up on Twitter at Ballers on Tap and also subscribe to us on the iTunes podcast at Ballers on Tap
0: good plug right there we'll take it so yeah like i just said subscribe comment either on the itunes um app or like i said come at us on twitter for you android users you can find us on stitcher as well and just let us know what you want us to try and we're always open to suggestions anything to add say now or forever hold your peace on the drafty kilt i will forever hold my peace all right so we'll take that for what it's worth. So next thing we're jumping into, let's talk G day. Again, we're recording this Wednesday, April 25th. Last Saturday was G day. For those of you who don't know, that is the spring game for UGA. you have red versus black. Um, you're able to go to Athens, still get that game day feel
1: Yeah, definitely get that game day feel,
0: but I'll say it's a, game day light it's the game day feel it's a little toned down but the tickets are free so you have a lot of people come up just to kind of be in the area be around that environment and then you get to go see the upcoming talent for next year so let's break that down a little bit AJ you want to talk about the day in general yeah I mean being th- this is my first g-day same be- here yeah
1: being there and the turnout was 82,000 people. I mean, that's just ridiculous if you're thinking about a, a spring practice game. And I think the the hype is so real right now in Athens because of the season we just came off I mean, of.
0: just coming off a national championship, I mean, yeah. we, we did lose, but hey, that's the farthest we've gotten in, in a long time.
1: Since I've been alive. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely. And
1: most of our listeners, since y'all have been alive, that's the farthest we've came. So... Yeah, as far as the environment, man, it felt just like a game day. And then uh, you get into the stadium. You have 82,000 there. The place is rocking. And then it kind of feels like, all right, this is all cool. This was all fun. But as soon as the game starts, you're kind of like, all right, yeah, we're just watching the practice. So it's kind of hard to get engaged. And the thing I struggle with, too, is like you have all these new young players, young freshmen that are here, early enrollees with these new numbers and like these new positions. So, I was kind of wondering, like, all right, who is this? Who is that? And it was kind of hard for me to follow, like, what was going on. But the black team won 21-13. The black team was the second team offense. And the red team was the first team offense, obviously. And the black team had the second to first team defense. But my takeaway was, for one, Justin Fields, our highly recruited five-star guy, out of Marietta, quarterback, dual threat. He actually looked really good. And I know I've always talked about they're going to find packages for him so he can get on the field. But this guy looks like he can do it all. Like, I know you're playing against a second-team defense. And one of the biggest things I took away from it was how big he was. Now, I've heard reports he's like 6'3", 210, 215. But he's been in college for three three months now. He's an early enrollee, so... He's looking like a 230. three two thirty. He's got tree trunks. They put him on, on the his meal plan. On his, yeah, on his had bottom. Him hit the hat. weight room. He looked really good. And one of the things I really like that Kirby and offensive coordinator Jim Cheney, they let the guys throw the ball. From and Justin Fields, they threw a lot.
0: They did. They did. Now, let me just jump in real quick. So, kind of just want to go over that beginning too. I mean, we showed up at what about eleven o'clock? Yeah, it's about The game than. wasn't until four. We still had a blast uh, kind of just tailgating in that environment, even though it was a spring game. And then going into the game, like you said, it was a little hard for you because, yeah, at that point, you're watching a practice. You don't know the players. I know from my side, it was a little little different because there's really nobody to uh, kind of root against. Yeah, exactly. So it, you're excited when there's a good play on either side. You're you're really just scouting it out. Okay, how's the defense looking? How's the offense looking? But there's not that excitement of, oh my God, we scored, we're up 7-0 on the other team. Because the other team is your offense or defense, and you really can't root against them. Oh, that, that was the harder part for me, but it was great to go there and see them in person. Like you said, Justin Fields looked good. Um, and everybody I've talked to, if they had any takeaway from the game, it was, man, Justin Fields looked good. And I I will say they had him throw in a lot, um, to the flats, kind of a lot inside the hash marks, but Hey, accuracy is a thing. You don't have to have a Matthew Stafford arm to be a quarterback. And he, I'm sure he has an arm, but they kept him a little more contained, wanted him to work on his accuracy for sure. And he looked good. He he had a couple scrambles. That's what I was there to see. I was yeah. not worried about his arm. I'm not worried about anything. But hey, he's we keep hearing about the dual threat. That's what I came to mm-hmm. see. What's he look like on his feet?
1: Yeah, and that and you know in spring games the quarterbacks don't get tackled. So it's it's you're t- playing two hand touch, really one hand touch. You just touch him and it's a sack. But field's ability to extend the plays, get out of the pocket, and kind of. Drew could blitz blitzing linebacker or defensive end that looked really good to me. And I know a couple of times that defensive end will tap him on his shoulder and they blow the play away. And Justin Fields would kind of stop, almost look back at Kirby, and kind of give a smile like, "Come on now." You and know it, in a real that.
0: game, I'm getting away from that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, there's definitely a couple of times he was about to throw it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of started to get touched where real game he would have got it off. But again, he was on the black team. They won. To me, the big takeaway was we we lost about half of our defense after last year. Our offense, they were what they were last year. They were solid, but our defense was great. Everybody's expecting another great year from UGA, but you lose half of that starting squad. There there's definitely something to be worried about. Man, that black team came out. That defense looked good. They got a pick six. Yeah, off off from Yeah, they got pick six off of From. I mean, yeah, you had the younger guys, maybe not as established as what we know from last year. But, hey, that defense, they came to play. I think they're the ones that more had something to prove. I mean, that's kind of a defensive mentality anyway. Yeah. But they came in with something to prove, and it was apparent from the first quarter that, hey, our defense is is something to be be excited about. And I I hope it is because that's what I'm worried about. Now, part of it, too – That's what you want to see. You want to see that defense coming together early. You want to see them forming those bonds, communicating on the field, covering who they're supposed to cover, really coming together this early. And now they have all offseason to really kind of refine it. The offense, again, they were solid last year. They have all summer to really kind of fine-tune that offense, even though the 1-0 didn't look great. I'm not too worried about it. I don't think there's any question. Fromm is still going to be the starter. Yeah, he's Everybody, still the guy. I will say, everybody's loving Justin Fields. It was exciting to see him. I'm excited about him. But, hey, Fromm still got us to the national championship. The offense has all summer to work, and they're going to. And, to be honest, they're not. the coordinators are not going to show much offense in the spring game they're not they're not trying to let these other teams get tape on us Yeah, keep
1: it pretty vanilla just and it's also just get the players confidence up too
0: yeah I mean defense is reactionary I mean of course you have your schemes but defense is reactionary to the play offense you're scheming and they don't want to put a lot of tape out there of hey here's what we're we're going with so I'm not too worried about the offense kind of underperforming a little bit there in the spring game I think come August, September, they're going to be rolling just fine.
1: Yeah, and last couple things before we we move on. I mean, one big thing I noticed too is Isaac Nata. Everybody's talking about throw to the tight ends, throw to the tight ends. He had four catches in the first half. So that looks good. Monty Rice, you talked about the defense. Monty Rice was flying around. He had 14 tackles. This could be the next Roquan Smith. This This is the heir apparent to Roquan. another thing, like I said earlier, Fields' ability to extend the play. And I know some people are kind of freaking out, like, man, Fromm, he didn't play that great, and it kind of had some iffy throws. Yeah, he had the pick six. He's kind of trying to force it, maybe do too much. I think it just comes from, as a quarterback, in the spring game, you know it's touch sack. So if Fromm sees a little bit of rush, he's like, let me just throw it. I don't want to just get sacked, and then you restart the play, and I kind of think it's, it's more of that because I, I do trust his decision-making. Decision we saw it all last year, and we have a bright future for sure. I'm yeah, so excited I, for this season. I
0: have no issue with Fromm's decision-making. I think yeah. I mean, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's smart in game.
1: He could have went out there and went 0 for 10 with three picks, and I would my opinion would not change. I think he will be ready. When the lights come on, he will be ready. And that just brings us to I could not wait for – football, obviously. It's going to be a long summer just sitting there waiting for some Georgia football. It is, but
0: uh, coming off of the last season, I mean, that excitement has just continued, and like you said, you could tell at the spring game, and it's going to keep rolling through the summer, and it'll be there day one. Um, Real quickly, before we move on, again, for the UGA fans, we do have some big news today as well. Uh, Defensive end Jay Hayes has committed to UGA. So, he's a grad transfer. He's coming from Notre Dame. I mean, he started every game last season with Notre Dame. Obviously, their defense gave us a little bit of trouble when we went up there and played them. I mean, we came away he, with the W, but they a, were he solid. Had a, he had a career game against UGA last yeah. year. Yeah. So, that is a big pickup for UGA. We're definitely excited to welcome him. So, here we are talking about how good that that first-team defense looked in the spring game. Well, hey, they just got an even better piece to put at the defensive end slot. Yeah, and you always need
1: – depth especially the defensive line we're kind of short on depth this year and so that's only going to help i'm excited about this pickup because this kind of stuff it just kind of comes out of nowhere like he's not a big time recruit uh, about to commit he's just a grad transfer and you know what? actually i found this out earlier today he committed into the oklahoma last week oh wow and yeah and i did not know that yeah he he pulled the flip and out of nowhere kirby gets a a strong probably your fifth fifth defensive lineman but in a perfect world, you want to rotate six, seven, eight guys. Oh yeah, on hey, that defensive we'll line. take
0: them, and that comes I'm sure that comes with a uh, Kirby having that defensive mindset. He probably said the right things to get him over here, and hey, we're we'll hope we hope he'll be a uh, damn good dog. Okay, moving on. So, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Braves, what are they looking like so far?
1: We're sitting all right. I know. We're sitting at 12 and 10 right now, third in the NL East behind the Mets and Phillies. Well, we got some huge news about midnight, about 1230 last night. We've been talking about this all month. Since the show started, Ronald Acuna is called up. He's starting today, Wednesday, April 25th, batting sixth and starting left field. They didn't waste any time getting him up here. Supposedly, they let him know at like midnight last night, probably after the game the hey
0: welcome to the show i know we talked about it about okay when they finally do call him up it's going to be a little puzzle kind of figuring out where they're going to put him you know that's the job we wouldn't have we wouldn't want to have to make and obviously they didn't waste any time they knew once they're calling him up they knew exactly where they were going to put him and uh so tonight again Wednesday, April 25th Ronald Cunha will make his MLB debut.
1: Yeah, and because we were talking about when Preston Tucker was having that, he's pretty much the placeholder in left field for Ronald t- until he got caught up. Where Preston Tucker is hitting so well. I mean, at one point he was leading the majors in r- RBIs. He was top five in batting average, but he is definitely, it's caught up to him, which I knew, we knew this would happen. He's eight for his last 48. He's hitting around 250 now. So they just saw it, it. was time. And another thing I'd like to bring up too: the brave sign, Jose Bautista, AKA Joey bats, AKA Mr. Bat flip last week, to a minor league deal. He's playing at third base right now in AAA. And the reports are he's in great shape. He's looking good. And I think he's going to be added to the, to the roster soon. He's going to add depth to the bench. And also I think he's going to pick up third base, which our other placeholder for third base, Ryan Flaherty, Last week, he was number one in the National League with an average. But now he struck out three times last night. He's really fell down to earth. Which I knew this would happen. We were kind of living on a high with Preston Tucker, and Ryan Flaherty. Flaherty is a career two twenty four hitter. So that that kind of baseball, like we said before, it's a game of numbers. It just catches up to you.
0: Yep. And we and and like you said, we I mean we knew that we started off so hot, and we kind of called that that we weren't even supposed to be. That hot at the yeah. beginning of the season, that we got out to a hot start. Hey, we still hope we do well throughout the rest of the season, but we knew it was going to cool down just a little bit. Yeah. So we're sitting, like I said, we're sitting here, third in the NL East at 12 and 10, right behind yeah. the Phillies and Mets. It's
1: still a great start to the year with our roster. So I'm really looking, of course, I'm really looking forward to Ronald, see how he does. I'm hoping he goes off. <laughs> I really am. And I know we had that date, April 13th was the last day of his arbitration. Well, he, struck, he was struggling a little bit in AAA. So, they gave him some time to kind of heat up. And I think they really gave him, there was no rush either because pre, the hitting of Preston Tucker. But he has declined over the last week and a half, two weeks. So, at this point, it was, let's call this guy up.
0: Now, how do you think the night goes with him coming up in terms of the team? I mean, we lost. First game to the Reds, four to ten. We lost last night, seven to nine. Great comeback, though. It was, it was a great it was comeback. A great I mean, you gotta you gotta commend this team. That is one thing nobody can say about them. They definitely don't give up. They fight all the way into the ninth inning. Nobody can take that away from them.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing I love watching. It's so fun to watch a team that you know, like in and over till it's over, because they're gonna grind it out. They're gonna fight. But yeah, back to the signing of Jose Batista. I think this was a great pickup. I know there was some talk before the season started to sign him. And he's been in the American League for the last eight, 10 years with Toronto. So he hasn't played defense. He's been the designated hitter. He hadn't played third base since he was the Pittsburgh Pirates earlier in his career. But the reports are he's playing great third base. And he's going to come in and add that depth, like I said. But I also think he's he can overtake that job. Because we have Johan Camargo, who's coming off an injury. He's back with the Major League Club. They're trying to work him in. So, it's Brian Snicker now has a lot of pieces he
0: can fit in as far as pitch hitting late. I just want to reiterate what I said on Twitter. And if anybody disagrees with this, come fight me. Bautista had the best bat flip of all time.
1: Convince me otherwise. <laughs> I hope I see some bat flips, man. I am off. Of course like if if he's playing against us, yeah. you don't like it.
0: But when it's for you, you love it. I will say that. You love the emotion. Kind of how we talked about the other week make baseball fun again. Yeah. where the where's the star power? I will say Jose Bautista, even though I mean he's in the minors right now. We call him up. He brings just that little bit of swag, a little bit of star power. To where even almost a casual fan has at least heard of him, knows who he is. So there's something to say. He might not necessarily transfer to play all the time, but he gets up there. There's that little bit of air of confidence surrounding him.
1: Definitely. And so th- these signings and Acuna being called up and Jose, I'm thinking maybe in the next week he gets called up. Yeah, like I said, it allows Snicker to have more options in these late game situations like last night. We had to have our backup catcher pinch hit, and he's known for his glove. He is not known at all to bat. So having better batters on the bench in late games will definitely help Snicker. You might have Johan Camargo on the bench when you pinch hit last night and had a clutch walk, or you have Jose Batista back there, or now you have Ryan Flaherty and Preston Tucker, who's a much better, who's much better hitter for those late games. And those late rallies. And one last thing before I close this all up. The Braves now have the two youngest players in the major leagues. Ozzie Albies is 21. And Ronald Acuna is 20. God, What that, am I, what am I, I doing think, with my life? Exactly. Well, that I, I You think of that and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's crazy. But yeah. So I'm so excited to see Ronald Acuna called up. I know all the Braves fans are. My Twitter's been blowing up. The hype is real. I've never seen this much hype as far as a player being caught up. Even when Frank Cooper was called up, I know yeah. a lot. There's a, a lot of hype around that. Of course, social I know, media wasn't as big yeah. back
0: then. But I know the last time for me was the Jason Hayward getting called up. Yeah, that I was the Opening to. day, game one, Good knocking time. out, knocking one out of the park. But other than that, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard this kind of hype, this excitement around a player coming up.
1: Yeah. So Ron Acuna, this organization is yours. Do your thing. Ball out. Go Braves.
0: Go Braves. Next up, let's talk NFL draft. So, AJ, I'm going to let you take it away right here, and I'm sure I'll have some rebuttals. <laughs> but I know you want to start off, again, is it a surprise? Number one pick. Are the Cleveland Browns, what's new? Who you think they're going with? Who I think they're going with. A lot of
1: people is not going to agree with me. But I know the last couple of days, there's been reports that the Browns are seriously thinking about taking Baker Mayfield or number one. I don't agree with it. But then again, who has ever agreed with the Browns pick in the last 20 years? But here's what I think they will do. Browns have the number one and number four pick. And by far, best player in this draft, and it's not even close, is Saquon Barkley. Okay. Browns want Saquon Barkley. Imagine that. One and four, you can get your franchise quarterback and get your franchise running back. And that's, you can't beat that. So here's what they're going to do. All right. Browns are going to take Barkley at number one. Because if they don't take him at number one, the Giants will take him at number two. So Browns are going to take Barkley at one. And they know their quarterback of choice, Baker Mayfield, which I don't agree with, will be at number four. So they're going to draft Baker Mayfield at number 4. So now they got their what they believe their franchise quarterback and I believe their franchise running back in the top 4 picks. But also again, we are talking about the Cleveland Browns organization. They can mess this up. And most likely, they will mess this up. Cuz Barkley is a cannot-miss player and he will not be around at number at
0: their second pick, number 4. You think they get him and trade him? No. They need a quarterback. They yeah. need a quarterback a lot more than they need a
1: running back. They do, but, I mean, they signed Tyrod Taylor that over this offseason, got him via trade, so that you can have your quarterback sit behind Tyrod. I mean, great. Tyrod is not the best quarterback, but he's the better, best quarterback Cleveland's had in quite a while.
0: Which isn't saying much. No, it's not. I know you were a big Johnny Manziel guy. <laughs> he's coming back, by the way. <laughs> but Please, anyway. don't, you're going to give me a hangover of the week right there
1: <laughs> because I, I just think Barkley is that number one guy and you cannot miss him and they know they won't get him at number four so I think they take at number one and maybe maybe they really don't want Baker Mayfield at four but they know one of their quarterbacks will be available at number four
0: alright so I got to argue there a little bit I do not think they're taking him at number one I think Cleveland and this is kind of looking at at all the different draft boards uh mainly there's one up on Cbsports.com I'm looking at and I kind of got to agree I think Cleveland's going to go with a quarterback but it's probably not who you think it's not going to be Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield or I think a lot of people are saying just based off a of skill Josh Allen or not Josh Allen Josh Rosen might be the top one they're going to take Josh but Allen. It sound it's looking like I bet Cleveland Browns take Josh Allen See, at number one.
1: And that would be a Cleveland Browns thing to do. Like it, would, it would I would be, the be surprised. Most, it would right? be the
0: most Browns pick. Well, the Th- thing, like Josh Allen, he can throw 80 yards. Cool. So, could, Hey, you know who else could? Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell <laughs> could sit on his knees and throw through a goal post. Exactly. Where's Jamarcus Russell at right and now? And that's another
1: organization, the Oakland Raiders, who have messed up plenty of times back in the day.
0: But, but they, I mean, finally, they finally got one right, though. They, they I mean, did. Carr is looking good. I think he's. has been I agree. a franchise quarterback for a long time. I agree. I don't care how far a guy can throw. As no. long as he can get it to where I need. How, and answer me this. How far can Tom Brady throw right now? I mean, yeah, Like he, f-
1: 15 yards? Yeah, and he
0: don't They don't throw past fifteen. That's they like, don't need the to throw every damn year. Exactly. So I don't care about arm strength. I think that's kind of a – I think you have to have the arm strength to zip it in there as long as you're not throwing up, like, lobs. So I think there's something to be said for that but in terms of hey he can throw it 40 50 yards downfield that doesn't get my excitement meter up at all. So I mean yeah, I I still think Josh Allen will go to the Browns. I I disagree with that choice but that's I think that's where he's going.
1: Yeah. And you say that I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. Now but I, I just know the Barkley is the number 1 Best player in this draft, and I don't think they can pass him up.
0: So, and again, looking at some at some different draft boards, guess where this this draft board on CBS is taking Barkley? Number two to the Giants. Number two to the Giants. Wrong. They're predicting, and who knows? This might all be some bullshit. Oh, there's
1: oh, there's going to be a lot of bu-
0: uh, bullshit come Thursday because there's going to yeah. be trades and all kinds but, of stuff. Here's what they're predicting, and I'm, I gotta say it's not the craziest thing that the Giants Eli's getting up there. They they're gonna take a quarterback. They they're gonna take quarterback yeah. at number two. Okay. Looking at Sam Darnold out of USC. Uh-huh. Now again, I have to argue that I I saw the USC versus UCLA LA game, and I did not think, oh man, Sam Darnold looked like the better quarterback he's out not of imp- that game. He's not impressive to me either. I don't. I really don't get the hype. I mean, I think he's well put together and I don't think he's going to do anything stupid on the field, but I also don't think he's going to take you to the promised land either.
1: Yeah,
0: Let's see. What I'm looking at, they're looking at the New York jets. Number three, taking Saquon, Baker Mayfield.
1: <laughs> People love Baker Mayfield. I, mean, I yeah, don't get it. He's a competitor. And I don't he get wins it. Games, but his system, that system does not translate. Well, To the
0: NFL. I'm not a fan. I see another another Johnny Menzel. Little guy. Had fun in college. Did great. (laughs) Little cocky. Don't know if he necessarily kind of gets what it takes to be at that next level. Kind of that sense of maturity. I don't see Mayfield doing anything. Then they have Buffalo Bills coming in at number four with Josh Rosen. Oh, wow. Saquon keeps falling. I can see that. Five Denver Broncos, Bradley Chubb from yeah. NC State. Now, that in. would be nice on the opposite oh, side of Mondale. Oh, Miller. yeah, that's nasty. That, yeah, that's that would nasty. Be nasty. Okay, and then number six, still not Saquon, but I'm not mad about it because they're looking at the Colts possibly taking our boy Roquan Smith. And, and that's Indianapolis? Yeah, that's the Colts. Lord knows they, they need it down there, up there. So we'll see how it goes, but um definitely rooting for Roquan. Ho- hopefully he goes up there in that top 10. And then number seven at the Tampa Bay Bucks, they finally have Saquon Barkley going.
1: Now I know you're a Falcons fan. You do not want Saquon to drop that low to Tampa Bay.
0: I do not. I mean, even it even made me sick. They've had Jaquiz Rogers back there. I mean, it's not <laughs> like he's a, a game changer but i'm like i mean he was an Atlanta player i i liked quiz rodgers what he did for us seeing him down there it just kind of made me sick seeing him and mike smith like i don't like tampa bay now i used to not really care about them but i feel like they keep keep funneling all our all our people um and yeah i don't want to have to play them multiple times a year yeah so but
1: uh, for one thing there's going to be some crazy stuff happening there's going to be trades left and right And that's just the big thing in the news. Who are the Browns going to take? So I want to focus on, I haven't mentioned much on the podcast podcast, because we haven't talked about really NFL a lot. But I'm a Steelers guy. Black and yellow. I'm Pittsburgh.
0: Black and yellow, black and yellow. So I want to
1: talk about who they're going to pick with a 28th pick in the first round. Me, we need a linebacker. We need some inside linebackers. I know... Ryan Shazier went down with that terrible injury. Um, I really hope he gets better. I know he's not playing this year. But I know a lot of mocks say Calvin Ridley from Alabama is wide receiver. And I could see that with the uncertainty of Martavis Bryant. He's still with the team. You don't know how that how his attitude is going to be this year. And I've also seen mocked with Darius Geis, LSU running back, with the Le'Veon Bell uncertainty. But there should not be any uncertainty for Le'Veon Bell. He's he'll be the back. best he'll be back. Yeah, he'll definitely be back. But and, you're looking at and
0: he, he he's gonna be fine. There's no You need to sign there's, this there's man no stop,
1: postpone, and give him the yeah. biggest contract in the NFL ever because he's worth it. He's a he's a top five wide receiver and the number one running back in the league. So here's what I say. Why don't we trade up for Roquan Smith? <laughs> Because we need a, some inside linebacker help. I know it's a stretch. I know it's not gonna happen. Y'all aren't see,
0: y'all aren't gonna get like the top.
1: See, Steelers, we're we're conservative. We like to do things differently. We're not gonna trade up, but I would love to see Roquan. But I really wanna I really want a linebacker because our defense is young. We're slowly not rebuilding it, but we're getting better. And we really need some linebacker help down there in the middle.
0: And just real quickly before we really jump into it here, this is Again, CBSSports.com. Atlanta's got that number 26 pick. I'm not mad at this. I kind of like what they're talking about. Going with Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. Have a a nice receiver over there on the other side of Julio Jones. Yeah. I, I,
1: I, I actually do like that pick.
0: Yeah, so you got Julio, Muhammad Sanu, and then have Calvin Ridley come up. That'd be be nice. uh, And I I think that's good for his career, too. There's nobody better to learn under than Julio Muhammad Sunu. Those are two guys who've done it the right way for years and years in this league. I think that'd be awesome. I think he would progress just fine, really grow as a player. And I think he'd fit the Atlanta system perfect. And, hey, he gets to stay in the southeast, have all his family come to the games.
1: Yeah, that's just another weapon for Matt Ryan. He can never have too much weapons. That's that's
0: what we need. That's actually a really good pick, and that would be interesting for sure. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NFL Draft. Now it's time for the Hangover of the Week. Hangover of the Week. Alright, so this week, I'm going to let AJ start things off. Again, for those of you who don't know, our Hangover of the Week is the story that has given us a headache this week that we are tired about hearing of, we're over it, we need a little bit of hydration, maybe some pediolite to get over this story, every time I hear it, it is making me sick and tired and giving me a headache, so again, AJ, I'll let you start this one off, this week, what is your hangover of the week? Something I am
1: just tired of hearing of, I know this is recent news but report surfaced earlier this week that Julio Jones deleted all his Instagram pictures and a lot of his social media pics where he was, where anything related to Atlanta Falcons.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Yeah. So as my co-host, Falcons fan, and other Falcons fans that I know, they freaked out. I'm just here to say he isn't going anywhere. I know a report came out later that day that he was just trying to get a new start on social media. Now, whatever that means, I don't know. It's kind of a sketchy answer to me.
0: Can I tell you what it means real quick before I let you get too deep? Go ahead. It means he caught too much flack last year when he lost his $100,000 earring in Lake Lanier and then paid for divers to go get it. People roasted his ass as they should have so this year who knows he probably lost something in lake lanier again and he was like you know let me start over i'm not gonna let people know about this one
1: yeah well i'm I'm just tired of it tired of well a lot of falcons fans i mean falcons fans you're all right i was pulling for you guys two years ago in the super bowl believe me i was pulling for you guys for the city of atlanta for the sake of atlanta for the sake of georgia but y'all need to calm down he ain't going nowhere But I want to use this time I have for this hangover to bring up something kind of crazy Julio Jones is not going anywhere But the Falcons could move him somewhere Falcons can trade Julio Jones to the New England Patriots New England Patriots have two first round picks At 23 and 31 Hey, Bill Belichick, here's Julio, best receiver, well, second best receiver in the league behind Antonio Brown. No argument there.
0: That's debatable.
1: (laughs) No argument there behind Antonio Brown for the 23rd and 31st pick. So, Falcons now have three picks in the first round. Well, I need somebody to replace Julio, somebody established. Well, earlier this offseason, New York Giants wanted a first round pick for Odell. So, Falcons trade. Their first-round pick, because they have three, they trade one of them for Odell Beckham. Falcons now have Odell Beckham to replace Julio, and they still have two first-round picks. Now, also, here's another thing. Let's say Giants are getting stingy now. It's like, no, we want more than first-round pick. Okay, well, y'all haven't had a running back since Teehee Barber. Here's Tevin Coleman. Because Falcons need to move this guy because they're going to lose him in free agency. So they need to try to figure, you want to get something in return for any big time player you lose. Tevin Coleman, first round pick for Odell Beckham. Cool. Now I have two first round picks. I can draft a running back in the first round and I can draft a defense, well, as far as Falcons need, defensive tackle, offensive line, maybe even defensive end. For me, dreaming up the situation it's a pretty good situation. But no, back back to what the hangover, that's what we're talking about. I know my co-host is going crazy over here in his chair because I just said, trade your best player. But it's a pretty good situation, me me saying it out loud. Now, I know I'm not, I'm not a huge Falcons fan, so it's it's easier for me to say that. It doesn't rip my heart out. But hey, hangover of the week, Julio Jones mess. I know I just came over that whole scenario. He ain't going nowhere, but it'd be pretty cool if he did. So just stop it. Julio is Julio. He's going to be all right.
0: Now I got like two minutes to rebuttal that <laughs> right quick. <laughs> I know you've been itching for it. I know you have. Look, you you said one piece that makes sense right there. Trade Tevin, Tevin Coleman somewhere because yeah. he's, he's they, a they, starter. They, they we, need to. I, I love Coleman. He's got the skills to be the number one somewhere else. He's going to leave in free agency, and I would not blame him. So, yes, maybe unloading him before we just let him walk out the door for nothing makes sense everything else he said is caca <laughs> that's the only way to describe it i can't so even you don't, think so of the word to describe it
1: but you got you got to think about if you if you got rid of julio right you need somebody to replace him and you don't want to yeah drafting a receiver but a rookie receiver so yeah he may come on the scene hot but you want somebody established but, right? why are, but you
0: don't want odell but why are you creating that problem for yourself anyway that's like saying Hey, man, if I sell my truck on Craigslist, well, damn, now i got to find a new car. Well, hey, why the hell did you sell your truck anyway? That's like, hey, let's get rid of but you, the, our best player, the, this receiver. And it's like, oh, man, we got we got to find a receiver. Well, don't get rid of him in the first place. Let me tell you this. You take Julio, Mr. No-Nonsense, has carried himself the right way.
1: Mr. One-Touchdown all last year.
0: And you can throw it up because he get double, triple teamed in the in, in the red zone and open it up for other people. There, There's there's a reason. Yeah, they scored a lot of touchdowns last year. But listen, Julio is one of those players, he's like a Calvin Johnson. You can just throw it in the air, and I take him over 99% of any other player in the league. In 1% his, being Antonio Brown. In terms of just, no, he'd still get it over. Antonio no, Brown's no, no, I'm the best saying, route runner. As I'm far as uh, receivers, I'm he's saying, number two in the league he's in receivers. Number, but in terms of defensive players, he can get up over any defensive player.
1: Yeah, I, so, I
0: agree. So Julio is the best at that in the league since Calvin Johnson retired. Why would you want... Okay, Odell's nice. He's fast. He's younger. He's flashy. He's, scope, he's also a damn basket case. He can't contain himself on the sidelines. He's going to bring more drama to the team. And in an NFL locker room, drama outside or inside really seeps through to the game. So he wouldn't fit into
1: the brotherhood that Atlanta has down here.
0: Odell would not. No, he's too all about himself. He, he's not about the brotherhood. He's about fighting kicking nets on the sideline. He's about getting Instagram models in his hotel room and being on IG with a line of Coke. Like that's, that's (laughs) not (laughs) the brotherhood. So there's no reason to bring Odell in. That's ridiculous. He's kind of shaky with the giants. Like, why would they be shopping him if he was just that solid? It doesn't make any sense. Because
1: giant, Giants know that they're at the end of their run, and Eli's going to – Eli's subpar anyway now. He's leaving soon. So that's why they wanted a first-round pick for him. They're trying to
0: – they need it. Well,
1: whenever you lose a player, you want to get something in return. And
0: Well, let me so, tell you this. So, say in trade Julio, oh, we get two first-round draft picks, right?
1: Yeah, to, to New England. New England will give that up to give – to give Tom Brady a weapon like that? A top two receiver in the we, league? We
0: just said Tom Brady can't throw it 20 yards down the field. Julio's not a give it to me in the flats kind of guy. Tom that Brady was, that can't was Taylor, throw it deep, but he ain't throwing it deep to Danny Amendola. That was Taylor Gabriel, and he's off the team. Julio's he's a, off the team because Ju- Steve Sarkeesian couldn't use him right. Julio's a chunk it down the field and let him get up over the Tom Brady UD can throw a
1: chunk it 30, 35, 40 yards.
0: Yeah, TB12 method. There you go. But listen... <laughs> You're saying Patriots, oh, we get two draft picks. We need to have a segment me, about no, this listen, pick. Listen. Because this is like debatable.
1: And I and I told you in pre-show that this, this is gonna get you fired up and it has. And just I love me,
0: it. Tell me if you can just answer this one question for me in like one word, two words. <laughs> right now I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can tell me what any more what more any two draft picks have done in the league. More than Julio Jones. What well, I'm it, saying is. It, it depends is, on who you draft. Um, what I'm saying is they have not done anything yet. They've gone to a combine. Julio Jones is proven in the big boys league. These guys are coming from college. This is why you get they, Odell Beckham they, who is another proven player in the league. That's what I'm saying. You you don't just trade Julio away for draft picks because that doesn't work. Look back at Herschel Walker back in the day trading for a bunch of players, some picks. It doesn't work, man. You can't hey, this guy's established in the league, but, oh, somebody's got potential. I don't care about potential. I care about what you've done so far in the league.
1: Exactly. And, yeah, I could see your point if you've traded Julio for just two draft picks and never got Odell because now you're down a a top receiver with nobody else that's proven. So you get Odell, and you still have two draft picks because Falcons need offensive line help. We all know that. You need to protect Matt Ryan. So now you can get that in the first round. But hey, I didn't use one pick. I still got another one. So now you can you can replace Tevin Coleman. Or hey, let's get better at the pass rush. Because to be honest, I don't trust Vic Beasley. I know he went off two years ago. That was a fluke gear. I'm still claiming that. And you know, matter of fact, they just the Falcons um took his option for this coming year. So he's with them another year without having to resign or whatever. And I think they know that too. It's like, look, you need to show us something. Cause we're not gonna resign you for a long term. Let's do something Now I do like Tap McKinley. That was a great draft pick last year. He's got a lot of energy, but you still need you need a defensive tackle. You lost uh, Don Terry Poe. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So I will say this: I was pretty harsh on Odell. Odell would probably fit fine in terms of the system. I just don't think he's a great fit on the actual team when you compare him to a leader like Julio. That that's the only thing. I think he's a great receiver, but when you're comparing him to Julio, he dwindles in comparison. And that's all I gotta say about that. Uh, yeah, I know that
1: got you fired up, but I want to let you proceed to your hangover of the week. We're gonna have to create a segment somewhere, maybe next week or something, <laughs> hey, it's still that, a
0: long time till this till the NFL season. That, that, we got that, plenty that, of time. Yeah, that's true. To go about uh offseason transactions. So let's go in my hangover of the week. And this is a hangover of the week that's going to continue throughout the entire summer. It's not going anywhere anytime soon until that NBA free agency deadline is up. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who haven't guessed already, I mentioned NBA free agency, my hangover of the week. I have a headache because it is only first round of the playoffs. And that's what I'm trying to concentrate on are these amazing playoffs that we've been seeing so far people are already talking about where's LeBron going to go in this off season. They talk about that before every season because he's Mr. Sign a one year option. See what he wants to do. Resign during the summer this year. He's a free agent. He gets to go wherever he wants, but all this talk is coming about because they have lost two games in the playoffs.
1: Exactly. That's why everybody's exactly. freaking out about exactly. it. Exactly. The Cavs. When was the last time, Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when was the last time a LeBron led team lost two games in the first round?
0: Okay, but we're, like we're talking like, oh man, LeBron got knocked out in the first round. He's got to figure out what he's going to do. That's his greatness what, Let's stuff. just let's just put the brakes on it for a little bit. They lost. The, again, this is Wednesday. They play tonight. Cavs and 7 76ers. Cavs and Pacers play again tonight. So this will be a little different tomorrow. But so far, the Cavs have lost two games. They almost went down three to one. Now the series is tied two to two. Okay, it's not panic mode. It's a round of the playoffs, people. This is what the playoffs are. Teams get down. Teams come back. There's ebbs and flows to the game. That's what it is. You have home court advantage. You take advantage when you're at home. You might lose away. Don't tell me about, hey, man, Cavs have lost two games, they're out of it, LeBron's out of there. To be honest, just looking at the scenarios, I don't see anything realistic where LeBron fits, especially when you talk about he's not going to the Western Conference, because why would he make his road harder? He's All he's doing is getting older, he wants to carry less of the load, not more, which this year he has had to carry more, I will give him that, but there's no reason for him to go to the Western Conference, because... That's a shit show. That's a a tough conference where even the good teams come in at the 8th and 7th seed. Yeah. So the East, that's where he wants to stay. That's where it's a little easier, right? So your options right now, really, the big players, Celtics. There's nowhere for him on the Celtics. Celtics don't want him. That would be, like, sacrilegious. They're not going to bring LeBron from the old Cavs, from the old Heat. They used to battle the Celtics every year. That town has too much pride. And really... They don't need him. They're going to have a solid squad going into next year. LeBron, Celtics, no-go. There's been some talk about LeBron to the 76ers. Well, here's why that does not make any sense. Ben Simmons plays more of a point forward. He is a great point guard, but he is so tall, he can get down on the block and put people on his back. Who does that sound like? Oh, yeah. LeBron James. (laughs) LeBron's... They're the exact same player. Exactly. LeBron's got a little more muscle. He's 6'8", 6'9". He's a great point guard. LeBron can play 1 through 5. Easy. No arguing that, right? Really 1 through 4, but let's just say 1 through 5. I mean, if you
1: needed him to, he can shut down the center.
0: He could, but 76ers are rolling right now. Are they the best team in the East? I don't know. I don't... They're, they're really hot right now at this point in the playoffs in terms of roster going forward for next year. I don't know if they're going to be just a dynasty. I think they have to add a couple more pieces, but they have a really, really solid core that they're building around. So here's the only thing. LeBron already doesn't fit on a court with Ben Simmons. They both have the same play style. They want the ball in their hands. Same reason Kyrie just left the Cavs. He wants the ball in his hands. He wants to be the leader of the team. Second reason. Ben Simmons has come into his own this year. He's really blossomed. He's probably going to win the rookie of the year, even though he's he's kind of a sophomore, but he didn't play last year. He's going to win rookie of the year. LeBron coming into that team would completely stifle Ben Simmons' development as a player. He would not get the same experience he's getting now. Right now, he's getting basically baptism by fire. Hey, you're a rookie, throw you out on the court, and let you take over the game. With LeBron, he'd have to take a take a back seat to LeBron. Yeah, the team might be a little better, but in the long run, it wouldn't make Ben Simmons as great a player as it looks like he might become. So that's my hangover of the week. It's still first round of the playoffs. The series is two to two. Let's stop talking about where LeBron's going. Okay. Just get through these playoffs. If the Cavs get knocked off in the first round, then come talk to me. Until then, leave me alone. And that's your hangover of the week okay so finally kind of for our last segment we want to jump into the NBA playoffs we are still pretty much in the first round of the playoffs it's been fun and exciting so far so what we're gonna do here we're gonna do a little something different we're going to jump into each round of the playoffs we got a timer over here we're gonna set it to five minutes so for each matchup that's been going on, we're going to go to five minutes if needed. But as soon as that timer hits, we're moving yeah, we're on, on to the next one, on to the next one. Mo- got to get, got to get it in. Got to get it quick. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> All right. So let me just start off by saying, so this first one we're going to jump into real quick, one that's already done, New Orleans and Portland clock is going in three two one and five minutes are on the clock so let's just jump straight in new orleans and portland if you listened a couple of weeks ago we were going through our kind of playoff predictions our dark horses kk right here he asked me who is my dark horse for the west now if you remember my response was nobody my picks in the west are We're Houston and Golden State. I don't think anybody came close. It's not like the Eastern Conference where there could kind of be a dark horse. I don't think anybody is close. But he kept prodding, and I finally said, if I have to pick a dark horse, I'll go ahead and run with the Trailblazers. I thought that backcourt of Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, I thought that was solid enough to maybe make a little bit of noise. New Orleans has not had the best history in the playoffs mainly Anthony Davis has not had the best history in the playoffs so I thought, okay, Portland might run over them and maybe be on to the next round, give somebody a little bit of trouble. Well, here I am two weeks later and I got egg on my face because my dark horse of the West, Portland, is now officially gone fishing. Gone fishing. They got a plane home. They went down 0-4 they got swept. New Orleans brought out the brooms for this one and swept them up. So, KK, take it away from there.
1: Well, for one, I mean, this series, they were just completely overmatched. New Orleans, I don't know what they did when the regular season ended. I didn't just flip the switch. There's was like, yeah, we don't have Boogie. He's hurt, but we don't care. But they just they went off. I mean, Anthony Davis averaged 33 points a game, off 58% field goal. And Drew Holiday...
0: Yes, Drew Holiday. Now, Drew went off on in this series. I mean, yeah. even again, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but even the Warriors have said, "Hey, Drew's playing good."
1: He dropped forty-one in Game Four. He averaged twenty-eight points a game, a fifty-seven percent field goal. Now, it's not this; it's not a big man like AD. You're like your shot, a lot of his shots are five ten feet from the from the hole. Drew Holiday, he's a shooting guard. 57% field goal. Rondo's averaging 13 assists. He's looking like Boston Rondo <laughs> with the big three. And But you're even getting help from Nikola Miritich. I was going to aver- say,
0: can we talk about the Andrew Luck doppelganger
1: in Nikola Miritich? <laughs> He's averaging 18. He averaged 18 points a game. He dropped 30 in game three. I'm like, Nikola who? Yeah, that, Nikola yeah, that, Miritich. That should not happen. The guy who got in a fight when he was with the Chicago Bulls.
0: Got knocked out at practice. Yeah, and he
1: said, I'm not coming back to the team
0: until I got traded. So... I'm just shocked, again, I thought The whole NBA world's really shocked I thought Damian Lillard would do more He's solid, he's well liked Now, you gotta give it, C.J. McCollum Showed out He he really carried his team Even that last game, I think he had What, 40 Like 42 points Or somewhere around there I mean, C.J. McCollum Was on fire But man, he just did not have the help He really needed.
1: I mean, Yeah, I mean, C.J. averaged 25 on 52% field goal. But Damian Lillard, man, you're... I mean, at this point in the season... During a point during the season, excuse me, he was considered top five, top six, top seven, top eight, but he averaged 18 points a game on 35% shooting. That's just no help,
0: especially the way New Orleans was shooting the ball. You know what's shocking? Lillard never broke the 20 point mark in the entire series.
1: Yeah, and that's just not something that that can happen.
0: So again, that series pretty cut and dry. New Orleans, congratulations. And what shocked me, I mean, that was without Boogie Cousins too.
1: Yeah, and that's a scary thing. Now now you New Orleans is almost like, do we need Boogie? Yes. Now I know that's
0: it. That's a conversation for another time. But yeah, that is that is there's, there's been
1: reports that they're not even looking to offer him a max deal now. They're looking to offer him a two three two three year deal because they don't even know if they need him. But I know it's Drew ha, they ain't going to shoot this well all playoffs. And Anthony Davis is definitely capable of this, but it's something they have to think of. Other than that, man, that was just a,
0: a dominant sweep. Cut and dry series. And correction, and McCollum scored 38 for the Trailblazers, which is still nothing to uh, laugh at. But Anthony Davis had 47. 47. Oh, that's five minutes. That's five minutes for the, those of you can't hear. There you go. And that's
1: five minutes. Now we're moving to Houston and Minnesota, another series that's been completely
0: overmatched. So on to the Houston Minnesota series you got the Rockets the Timberwolves James Harden Chris Paul going hard against Carl Anthony Towns Jeff Jim, Teague Jim Jimmy Butler. Butler Andrew Wiggins um, so this has actually been a pretty pretty fun series to watch now Houston's coming in as the number one seed in the West they locked that up a few weeks left to go in the season and they're up three to one so no sweep for Houston I got to give it to Minnesota. They're showing some fight. Um, I think their offense can get a little stagnant and sometimes a little stupid. I think you have Carl Anthony Towns, who he's still young. He doesn't really have his grown man's body yet. I mean, you look at him, he still looks kind of like a kid. And he still has moves down low. And there will be long stretches where Minnesota will not even let him touch the ball.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You gotta go you gotta go to him. I mean, overall, he's probably your best offensive player as far as like all around skill and what he can do. But yeah, he he's just looked like a shell of himself. He's only averaging thirteen points a game. I Minnesota, they're just not ready. They I mean, they have a tough matchup with Houston.
0: They're young. I will say I've been pretty impressed. By Teague, and this is not Atlanta bias, <laughs> but uh, but watching him and Chris Paul kind of go at it, they've definitely gotten chippy a few times. Yes. They're both kind of some; they're both defensive guards. They like to really lock the other one down. They got that Wake Forest connection. I know when T came into the league, Chris Paul was almost kind of a mentor to him. So it's kind of fun to see them battle it out there on the court. But I have seen it a few times there's some shoulder bumps. There's teams breaking them up. They both go at it, and to me, that's what playoff basketball is all about. Now, another thing that's impressed me, and this, I guess, is why Houston is the number one seed in the West. I'm not going to say James Harden. James Harden is who he is. He He's not going to collapse until the conference finals. <laughs> so that's he's going to show out in this first round. But, man, Chris Paul on every little, every little pick and pop or just kick out to him, Chris Paul is knocking down threes like I've never seen him do.
1: Yeah, it's and he's not hesitating. It's, well, as for him, me being, let's say me being in him shoot, in his shoes coming from the Clippers, right? You have to, when he was at the Clippers, you got to feed DeAndre and Blake Griffin. But now he's like, man, I got James Harden who can go off for 60. So let, let me just shoot the ball. He really doesn't and have Dan to told- feed
0: anyone. Yeah. He'll drive in, and he'll find the open man out on the perimeter – um, most likely it's either – it's probably Ariza is usually who they're kicking it out to. But, man, when he's open, he's got the quick trigger. And Chris Paul is knocking is. down those threes. He is. You know, you know James Harden's going to, but to have Chris Paul almost kind of like a B version of Steph Curry. I mean, he's just kind of dribbling up to the three-point line. And if the defense isn't getting right up on him, Not he's pulling up and he's knocking it down. Now I gotta to touch on this this last game, game four, that put Houston up by three. That man, third quarter, man. It was a good game. I was watching it. They they were within a couple points of each other. I mean at, at one point, uh Minnesota even had a seven point lead and it, it was it was pretty close. So let's see here. Yeah, even at halftime, Rockets were only up by one point.
1: I mean, it was a close game. It was I've a close heard, game. But and then
0: coming out of the third, um, James Harden drank some of Michael's secret stuff or something. Got a pep talk from Bugs Bunny. Came out. Rockets dropped 50 in that third quarter. 50 in one quarter. Like, so that's crazy to think about. It, it really is. So, that's Rockets. That's what they're known for. They got that, that explosive offense. That's how it's going to be probably throughout the whole series. I still think they're going to take the series... They're up 3-1. to one. Yeah,
1: I think I think it's pretty easy. I mean, Harden's averaging 30. CB3's averaging 20. And as far as from Minnesota, Jimmy Buckets, he's averaging 18. Andrew Wiggins, 16. I, w- I will say one surprise where the five minutes goes up, D. Rose off the bench. He's hey, been playing well.
0: Yeah, last word. Yeah, D. Rose has been solid. Um, But there's also been some talk of are they relying on him too much and not spreading the ball around? Like I said, to Carl Anthony Towns like they should
1: five minutes is up though so. five
0: minutes is up let's move on okay jumping in Golden State San Antonio five minutes on the clock go
1: well as of Tuesday night Warriors finish the series four to one watching the series Warriors they still look on cruise control KD averaged 29 Clay averaged 22 on 53% field goals I think Draymond needs to play a little bit better offensively, and Iggy has provided like good minutes as playing the point. San Antonio was led by LaMarcus Aldridge, which by far he's their best player, twenty-two points per game. I know Manu had that breakout in Game Four, but we all knew going into the series, Spurs just didn't have enough firepower. Rudy Gay was moved to the starting lineup. He was he did solid. He did yeah. I mean he averaged he's not the Rudy Gay of Memphis. By far,
0: I'll I'll go ahead and say this. I might get some hate for this. Yeah, you probably say Rudy Gay was never good. I never was on the Rudy Gay train.
1: Rudy Rudy Gay back in his Memphis Grizzly days, he was a poor man's Kevin Durant.
0: I remember getting in fights in this in high school. Somebody be talking about Rudy Gay coming out of college. I was like, whatever. He's a poor man's Kevin Durant, and He has in, the same body type in the league. Rudy Gay's never done it for me. Like he's he's like a you say poor man's Kevin Durant. I say a rich man's Marvin Williams. <laughs>
1: Golly, what the heck, Marvin Williams, man, that's terrible. He's still in the league, by the way, too. <laughs>
0: exactly. So, oh but yeah. Oh,
1: o- overall, Warriors. I mean, yeah, they lost game three, but or game four. But I mean, it's one of those Let's give it to Popovich, and I mean prayers to his family. Yeah, with what? Yeah, there was a lot going on.
0: Of, a lot of drama going on around the death of of Coach Pop's wife, and obviously that that's hard to. Kind of get into as a team, yeah, and especially as the Spurs. I mean, I know that's a close team, Pop, very, very close. Pop usually has players over at his house on the weekends and watch movies together and watch film together. I mean, the the Spurs have always kind of been their own organization, where Pop's kind of the head of it. So I know all the players with that news coming out really probably did affect them a good bit. It's definitely hard to kind of get up for a game like that. But Spurs, they, I mean, they just didn't have it this year. And then you could devote a whole nother segment to the whole Kawhi Leonard drama, um, which are two words I never thought I would say together, Uh Kawhi Leonard and drama. But I mean, that's kind of what it's been. It hasn't been super, I don't know, in front of the cameras. I mean, there's been a lot of leaks and that's kind of how you do it when you're low-key you you tell somebody to say something and it leaks out to the press and that's how you get your word out there but who knows what's going on with Kawhi I don't think he's going to be there next year I think it's pretty obvious yeah but San Antonio again they they gave it their all I just don't think they had the squad this year I will again say Manu Ginobili and I touched on this the other week. I used to hate him, but man, I have so much respect for him. Mm-hmm. And he looked he looked good in the playoffs. He, yeah, he did. Like, he, he did. is not this old guy. He is solid. And I saw this the other day. Somebody in San Antonio bought out a billboard that said five more. <laughs> and he said, or no, they said, they said uh, one more. They said one more. And he said, well, man, now they like me. They make me look bad because I was going to sign for five more. (laughs) So, I mean, that's just him kind of kidding around with the fans of San Antonio. But, man, to still have Ginobili on the opposite end of that, man, I think Tony Parker's out of his league now. I think the, the league has changed so much with the guard play, and I think he's lost kind of that quick first step that he used to have. I mean, Parker's game used to be kind of get right in that mid range, maybe into the paint, hit some floaters. He was never a shooter anyway. And now watching it again, I almost feel like Tony Parker's time is coming up, but I think Ginobili could still still last for a couple years. I know we didn't get too deep into the Warriors, but hey, the Warriors are what they are. They still got KD, still got Clay, still got Draymond. They're a solid team. They're they are what they are. I think I still think they're gonna cruise right on to the Western Conference Finals.
1: Yeah, I mean game five, they close it out. KD dropped twenty five, Draymond Led the Warriors on defense. They kept the Spurs thirty-seven percent shooting, twenty-three percent from three, and Draymond had seventeen points with nineteen rebounds. I mean, they just kind of they just kind of do it's kind of just do it. Like they're watching the game, it's like they're not showing much emotion. They're just kind of going through going through the motions. They're professionals. They they, they this they, first
0: round, this is where they make their money. They're just going to work right yeah, now. Yeah.
1: And that, that's what I feel like they're doing. And there was
0: nothing to get excited about. They're like, we're supposed to beat the Spurs. Let's beat the Spurs. Yeah,
1: let's beat the Spurs. Exactly.
0: So, here we go. On to the next one. And this one might be the hardest to keep to five minutes.
1: (laughs) We have a lot to say about this. Let's
0: go ahead and jump straight in. So, five minutes on the clock. Go. Let's talk Oklahoma City versus the Jazz. And Jazz her up three to one.
1: Three to one with game five coming up on Wednesday. Now, I'm going to say right here, right now, Oklahoma City does not have an answer for Donovan Mitchell. I know he's the – everybody's arguing, like, should it be him or Ben Simmons for Rookie of the Year? But, man, he's making a great case for Rookie of the Year right now. He's the first player since Michael Jordan now. Michael Jordan with 100 points in his first four playoff games. He's averaging 27.5, shooting 35% from three. But his ability to drive to the hole and pretty much get whatever he wants right now against the Thunder is probably the most impressive thing. And the one big thing I took away from this series too, like not only Donovan Mitchell been going off, is Ricky Rubio. When has he become a, a jump shooter? He's averaging 18 points with eight assists. He only averaged 13 points a game in the regular season. But now he's like...
0: He got playoff,
1: playoff, Ricky. He, yeah, playoff, Ricky. He's been playing so good as far as the jump shots. It led to a pressure question in the in the uh, post game interview. To now where hey, they're asking Russell Westbrook. He's shooting this and this and this. What are you gonna do about it? Well, Russell Westbrook says, "Yeah, I'm gonna stop that. I'm, I'm gonna shut it down." Well, hey, you did. You get you shut him down in game four. You held him to 13 points.
0: But your team lost by 17, Russ. And that was my pet peeve was, okay, it looked really cool. Russell Westbrook, full court press, Ricky Rubio. Yeah. You know what it came across as? came across as that one guy you're playing at the YMCA who got pissed off because you scored on him, and now he's looking like he's taking this way too serious. Forget the game plan.
1: Forget whatever Coach Billy Donovan is saying to me, which – to be honest i don't think he's a great coach but i'll let that go i'm gonna do me as far as this russ westbrook saying but yeah you, you shut him down 13 points but you lose by 17 you're getting quality shots from joe ingles he's averaging 14 points and rudy gobert do not sleep on him he's a great shot blocker down low he's getting 15 points a game the jazz are just playing great team basketball and they said it after the after the game with what's West westbrook said that i mean donald mitchell said like i really don't care about that it's it's a team game, and we're kind of just out there doing our thing.
0: But OKC right now, they're a mess. Well, can I tell you what what's really disappointed me? What's that? Game one, man, Paul George came out and looked great. Playoff P. Playoff P. That's all you saw on Twitter. All you saw on TV was, hey, Playoff P has arrived. Have you been introduced to Playoff P? Because he went off that first game. OK. He has not done much since. I mean, he's averaging 27, but. He's averaging 27, but the other night, not the last game, but the one before that, the big three, Carmelo, Paul George, and Westbrook shot 0% in the fourth quarter. Oh, for 10. Yeah, that's not to say they didn't score. I mean, they got to the line, but they did not hit any field goals in that fourth quarter. Now, we just had this conversation about you brought in these big stars. Is it worth it? Right there, that shows you exactly that shows you it's not worth it. Now, the only thing that's making me feel good about this is I looked like an idiot with Portland getting swept, and they were my dark horse. Well, here is KK's dark horse of the West, which I mean, I laughed at. I was like, "There is no way." Looking like boo boo, looking like boo boo, and here they are down three to one to Donovan Mitchell. Man, that guy is so impressive for a rookie. A true rookie.
1: Not and, not scared of anything. Not
0: scared of anything. And his composure, he is just he just looks like he's been in the league for years. Now, last thing I'm looking, we got forty about forty five seconds left. Big story going into tonight. There's a little altercation in the game the other day. Westbrook stepped off the bench. Been a lot of talk. He could get suspended. NBA officially came out and said no, they're going to find him. Now it's a little hypocritical of the NBA because their role yeah, has, has it, always been if you come off the bench, if we, you get suspended. This happened to the Suns back in 07, 08, 09. I forget what year that was, but Suns were making a run. Um, got into a little scuffle with the Spurs. I remember Bruce Bowen used to get into it with Steve Nash. That's the heyday of I used to watch every minute. And players got suspended for stepping off the bench. Sun fans have been talking about it for 10 years here. So, five Westbrook is not suspended. Big news going into the next game. Okay, so that that kind of ties up the, the Western Conference. Let's go ahead and move into the East.
1: Now, before you go move into the East, one last thing. Another five minutes are, are up, but OKC had a team franchise glow 10 assists in game four. That's so, pathetic. Yeah. And it, that,
0: and I hate to keep saying on this, but it's like I said,
1: Westbrook was in Westbrook. His that's doing your, his
0: own thing. That's your MVP point guard,
1: the face of your franchise. That's, gotta do, gotta do better. That's but,
0: terrible. Okay, we went over, but hey, that we just had to kind of make. I can. We can
1: guard. go on about an hour about that OKC series.
0: Yeah, that that's the hardest one to keep to five minutes because it's just got yes <laughs> so much to talk about. Okay, so and real well. Let's just jump in. I was about to jump ahead of myself. Philadelphia versus the Heat. Man, that was fun to watch if you're an NBA fan. If you're a Philadelphia fan, you have to be on cloud nine. Yeah. Yes, did. it's only round one. No, that's not to say they're going to win the conference finals or the finals or the big thing, but man, to, to really keep trusting the process like we always say they trusted the process 76ers have come such a long way so far and to have a 50 win season and to win this first round but to do it around these young guys this young core they didn't bring in a lot of outside talent that hey we look really good but they might be gone in a year or two yes man this core of Philadelphia Is so impressive. I mean, that was my, that was both of our dark horse in the East. Yeah, it was. And man, it's just, it's crazy. They, they have so many pieces that are really stepping up right now.
1: Well, yeah, because, well, of course, it's led by Ben Simmons. I mean, in the playoffs, he's averaged 19, 11, and 10. I mean, he's a walking triple double in the playoffs. I, to be honest, I, if he continues to progress now, He's the next league superstar. He's the next LeBron. He can be. He gets to the rack however he wants. He's definitely got to work on his shooting. Because he don't take jump shots. But he also he knows that's his weakness. And you, as far as the pieces that you look at what they added. J.J. Reddick. I know that was your boy a couple weeks well, ago. Well,
0: I keep saying and he hasn't fallen off. Like, J.J. Reddick, I still just think he joined this team. And, man, he has been he, – he's not just this old spot-up guy. Like, he's – He's moving with the ball. He is. He's finding God. He's doing everything. He can. Everybody on that team is doing work. J.J. Redick is looking great. Another guy that does not get talked about enough that I really didn't care about until he was on the Hawks, and I fell in love with him, Urshan Ilyasova. Yeah. He's and another great.
1: Another former Hawks player that's stepping up is Bellinelli. Bellinelli. He's averaging he's 18.
0: Great. Although, in my mind, he's a former Spurs player. That's right. <laughs> that's great. Kind of, yeah, that's where he killed people with. But man, this team, and then hell, even T.J. McConnell, like these guys—the <laughs> backup point guard—yeah, <laughs> these guys are moving the ball. Dario Sarge, they're all moving the ball. They, I would say this in the East, they're playing the best team basketball. Everybody's getting touches. They almost look like Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz in the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're, where team where ball. everybody's just touching the ball, everybody's putting up points, everybody's doing their part. That's how this looks. I mean, nobody on the team has to score 30 points for them to win. I mean, man, Embiid, he's a beast in and of itself. And I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I called it about three, four weeks ago. I said he's going to come back with a black mask. You did. And kill it. you that. And people have been trying to break the mask, and it's not working. (laughs) Justice Winslow. And he got fined for that, actually. Yeah, he did. So,
1: back to J.J. Redick. He's averaging 18 points a game. Now, before last night, before game five, he was only averaging 30% from three. But last night, he dropped 27. He shot 50%. Embiid last night went 19 for 12. Simmons dropped 14 and 10. They have so much firepower and who it can go to. Like you said, they're playing team ball. They don't care. Dario Saric is averaging 18 points a game. J.J., now, 80, 18 points a game.
0: Now, after. Dropped 27. Yeah, yeah. I mean these guys everybody's playing almost at their peak level and when all of your players really start hitting their peak kind of going into the playoffs and right at the playoffs that's what you want to see and man these 76ers are looking great these real quickly I do want to just touch on the heat I will give it to them they're down 3 to 1 Wade is still impressing me. He, Wade is making some plays.
1: Especially at game two, Wade. Yeah. That game two, Wade, was vintage Wade.
0: But even game three, Wade is making plays that does not look like he's older. It's, not, it's, it's almost like he went down to Miami and he got rejuvenated because when he I, was on the Cavs, he did. he did not look like this. And this kind of leads me to the question. We got about 40 seconds left. You think Wade's sticking around? You think, because to be honest, The Heat don't have a roster that's going to kind of keep going. Yeah, they
1: have a roster that will make the playoffs every year. But they're not
0: anything special. Do you think Wade is sticking around after this?
1: I think he is. He definitely, he's fine with coming off the bench. I know you have these superstars with these egos. I think he's fine with coming off the bench. But, yeah, they're definitely going to need help as far as they want to make any kind of run. They don't have the roster to do that. Yeah, I think think Wade, he's going to come back at least one more year to try out coming off the bench and see what they can do.
0: Yeah. There's a reason he got the key to the city. They called it Wade County instead of Dade. That Wade is a lifelong heat. He looked weird on Chicago, looked weird on the Cavs. He looks like Dwayne Wade on the heat, and I'm impressed. I feel kind of bad for him that the heat aren't doing better, but, hey, 76ers, this is your time. All right. All right. Let's move on. Toronto versus Washington. This is probably the biggest toss up series. Um and again, I'm gonna toot my own horn again. I called it the other week. Toronto was the number one seed. Heard about how they had it locked up. You got DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, and I said I just don't trust them in the playoffs. What do you think?
1: Okay, so what I think about this series between the Raptors and Wizards? Well, for one, the series looked over after the first two games in Toronto, but the player John Wall at home has really been the difference.
0: That's been the big shock to me. I mean, Wall was out for a lot of the season. He was. I mean, Bradley Bill, we've talked about how solid he is, but to see John Wall kind of perform the way he has, I, it's something about the twisties, man. He he came back with a new <laughs> with a new haircut and he was ready.
1: I mean, Wall's averaging 27 a game with 13 assists and you got Bradley Beal averaging 22 points per game. But yeah, as far as when it went to Washington, I feel like that series completely took a turn. Now, I know they have game five tonight, Wednesday, but you still have DeMar DeRozan still balling out. He's averaging 20 points 28 points a game. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry is only averaging 15 a game. So that's somebody you can look at as far as kind of stepping up his playoff offensively. because he, he can do it. We've seen it before, but we've also talked about a couple weeks ago. Or I think it was last week. As far as the Toronto Raptors, they get to the playoffs, they can't make shots. They forget how to shoot. It's strictly out of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. So they're still going to need that help. And I mean, you know,
0: DeRozan they, got 13 points in that first quarter.
1: Last yeah, game. and they got that help from Serge Ibaka. He scored 23, 23 in game one.
0: Where's that surge been at?
1: But, but you know, since game one, he's averaging seven points per game. So, I mean, you look at that. Yeah, that 23, that's that's that OKC surge. But you haven't really gotten that. And it showed because they've lost the, two last, the last two games.
0: I mean, just to be honest, this is kind of a an ugly series all around. Nobody is really standing out but I would almost expect this to be like a four and five seed yeah. for Toronto to come in as the number one seed in the East and kind of play how they're playing. Like I, I thought they would struggle a little bit in the playoffs. I didn't think it'd be this early. I didn't think it'd be against the number eight seed mm-hmm. in Washington. So, I mean, I, again, I had to say it, but the Raptors are just kind of proving my point of, they're not there to really They're a great regular season team. Play. They're, not, they're not there to compete for the East. I mean, to be honest, I think if it came down to it, 76ers or Cavs could take them easily.
1: Yeah. I mean, this looks like a series that's going to go seven games. Each team wins their home game. Yeah, one, of, so, one of those series. That's that's what it's starting to so look So Toronto
0: like. needs that home court advantage that they got from being the, the number one seed. And they're going to win it out, like you said, win out their home games. And that'll be that. So, it's, it's just hard, not a whole lot to, to break down on this series because it's been so even. And none of these teams really have much to offer.
1: Yeah, because you look at both of these teams, you make it past this round. I mean, if Raptors win this series, they'll play the winner of Pacers and Cavs, which will be the Cavs. And we'll, I, I see,
0: we'll get to that in a minute.
1: <laughs> I, I see them really maybe getting one game because if they, when they play LeBron in the playoffs, they don't know what to do. They don't even know what a basketball is, the way it looks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an even series. It's two, two, it'll probably go seven with
0: Raptors winning four, three. Which again, to me, that's, if you're the Raptors and how you played the regular season, to me, that's a, almost a loss. I mean, I know you're professional. You're gonna move on from that first round into the second round and think, okay, it's it's like a whole new season. We got to get through four games. We got to win four games. But I think if if this series does go full seven, how can they not go into that second round a little yeah. down, yeah. a little down, having a little doubt? And I just don't think their offense is there. I mean, they don't have any great offensive Option. sets. That yeah. it's pretty much it's. It's exactly what they've been banking on the last few years, and it has never worked. Hey, we have this great backcourt duo. Let's give it to them. Let's see what happens. And those guys can only last so long before everything kind of falls apart. I, I, agree. I think. I think both of those guys are almost like a double-A all-star. They're not that top tier. I think you have two next-tier stars on that uh-huh. team and in this league it's a stars league and I don't think they have the firepower to, to keep up so as yeah. you hear that's the timer yeah we're and done
1: now we're going to move to another interesting series Boston and
0: Milwaukee okay so let's go ahead jump into Boston and Milwaukee clock starting up five minutes take it away AJ
1: so as of last night Tuesday night Boston now leads the series 3-2. In game five, Marcus Smart made his return. Now, as far as the first two games, this is another one, kind of like how the Raptors was. It, was. it was a close first two games, but the player Terry Rozier really carried Boston in that first two games. And now, Boston being really being led by Jalen Brown, which... Man, why can't he be up for most improved player of the year? Because last year, he's more of a defensive guy. He'll give you 14, 15 points a game. But in his playoffs, he's averaging 23 points a game by 51%. He can shoot it from anywhere. And that brings you back to Terry Rozier. Those first two games, he was averaging 23 a game. And you're, you're saying, like, Terry, who? Yeah, this is Kyrie's
0: backup. Now, so... It is obvious. I mean, the, the Celtics are definitely hurting. not having they are. Obviously not having Hayward, which they haven't had all year. But I think the loss of Kyrie really took took its effect on them coming into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They could kind of skate by in the regular season. But in the playoffs, it is still pretty difficult to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, hey, their they're go-to guy is out.
1: Yeah, and this... So, first two games go to Boston in Boston. Well, the next two games, is Milwaukee, they put up a good fight. You're not expecting them to really win both games. But Giannis, the Greek freak, he's averaging 25 off 62% field goals. And Chris Middleton, the play that he's putting up, he's averaging 26 a game. And he's shooting 60, 62% field goal and 63% from the three. Which is really crazy. Now, after the first two games, I'm like, man, they need more Jabari Parker. They need him to pitch in more. Well, game four he puts up sixteen. Game three, he put up seventeen. And last night, game five, he put up seventeen. So So you're getting that more more help and that allowed them to win those two games.
0: They're definitely getting more help. Um again, Giannis is just unstoppable. He's gonna get his no he matter is. what. It's what are the pieces around him gonna be able to do. Like you said Jabari had to kind of step it up. Almost like that Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum dynamic. It's like, okay, Giannis is carrying it. Who's going to be that next person up to really help?
1: Because you need that in the playoffs.
0: Now, my prediction though, I just don't think the Bucks have enough help. I think if they add maybe one more piece in the offseason, they could do they're, something. They're close. But Celtics still look like the better team. I mean, they still have veteran leadership in Horford. And... They're two young guys that we've been talking about the last few weeks. Jalen Brown.
1: Terry Rozier. Marcus Smart. Jason Tatum.
0: Yeah, so all of these guys, it's almost, and this sounds really bad to say, it's not looking like they're going to be able to take over the East this year, but it's kind of that baptism by fire thing again. I think this is some great experience because those young guys are having to step up and kind of, take over a series really helping to develop them that by next year when you have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward there then the East needs to be put on watch they yeah. better watch out
1: yeah this is great experience for the young Celtics cuz you have Jason Tatum he's averaging 15 a game i mean he's a rookie as far as the bucks and maybe how they can turn this series around being down 3-2 i think you need more contribution from Eric Bledsoe I mean, a couple years ago, Eric Bledsoe was the truth down in Phoenix. Now, I know Malcolm Bro- Brogdon, hometown kid, by the way, he's been playing well.
0: And I'm still waiting for that game where Brandon Jennings just, for some reason, catches fire and throws up 25 points. Because, I mean, if he has one of those games, they're probably going to win it. But he's so streaky. Like I said, he's kind of a poor man's Jamal Crawford or Lou Williams.
1: Well, I think a big thing that Boston is really – that they got back was Marcus Smart because, yeah, he's not the greatest offensive scorer, but no, he's, that he's, def- he's that defensive yeah, guy. defensive he's their defensive, he's he can their defensive
0: that, piece. Yeah,
1: he can set that tempo. He can lock whoever they want down. And, you know, one big player that I know you, you're not really fond of who's been playing actually really well, who's almost been carrying Boston, is Al Horford.
0: No, I, I love Al Horford. A lot of Atlanta fans don't because of the kind of way he went out and some of the comments said on his way out. I love Horford. And, yeah, like he got a double-double the other game. He's solid. And there we go, the timer. Lastly, I mean, I think without his veteran leadership out on the floor, the Celtics would probably be struggling a lot more than they are now.
1: I agree. All right, now we're going to move to the big series in the East, the Cavs and Pacers.
0: This is another one that's going to be tough to get – in just five minutes, but we're trying to keep this thing short and concise for you guys. So five minutes on the clock in three, two, one. AJ's going to start it off.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Cavs, are, Cavs and Pacers are tied 2 two. You look at LeBron. He's doing everything, which he has to with his team. He's averaging 32, 11, and eight. He's not really getting any help from anybody else. Let me ask you, Evan, who's the second best player on the Cavs?
0: Well, from what we kind of argued the other week, I said Kevin Love. All right, Kevin Love's the second
1: best player, right? Should Well yeah. Well this dude's averaging twelve points a game. So in other words, LeBron's having to do it all. Even with the menace, Lance Stevenson getting in his face, blowing in his ear
0: that's been every possession hey it's entertaining seeing like a classic lance and i think lance is kind of the one guy in the league that can get under lebron's skin i i
1: do i do think that too like as far as skill yeah lance is much of anything but he can get in to your skin and it's not even about like man he he only goes off against me no he just he's kind of annoying he's like if you're playing a pickup basketball game he's like dude like leave me alone like we're playing basketball but he can get under LeBron's skin, and I I think it's helped with the Pacers as far as like confidence, as far as as a team. Because yeah. you look at Oladipo, he's averaging twenty two a game. Oladipo is playing
0: great. It's been it's been a great series so far. So I mean, that first game came down, Pacers took it. Second game kind of came down to the wire, Cavs took it, and then third game looked like Cavs were going to take it. They were up. by by about 17 17 at one point Mm -hmm. pacers had a comeback took it they went up two to one and then i texted you the other night while the game was going on man pacers were looking good and i said man lebron might go down three to one one. in the first round and what'd you say after the game you said his greatness isn't gonna allow that (laughs) they came back and then Cavs won that game. So now here it is, tied up 2-2. Two to two. We're actually recording this. Game's going on right now. At halftime, Indiana is up 56-49. to 49. So,
1: Which is huge because it's in Cleveland.
0: It is in Cleveland. Seven points. Still anybody's game as we're recording this. By the time you hear this, results will be in. Yes. But man, this series has been entertaining. I do think the Pacers might have lost the series after the have last get, game. Mm-hmm. You I have, agree. You have to learn.
1: You got to take advantage of those.
0: You have to learn when to kind of give them the kill shot. Up, If the Pacers were up 3-1, to one, it wouldn't matter if they lose this game tonight.
1: Because you're going back home. You're
0: going back home. And, again, the Pacers are the less experienced team. Yeah, this Cavs roster isn't great, but you can't count out LeBron. Like mm-hmm. you said, his greatness won't allow it. LeBron he can kind of will things into existence and if he wants to he's gonna take it to the hole I saw him go down and hit a spin move layup just with his strength I mean he used his strength on a spin move to just create space and have an easy layup when it was really clutch time in that last game and that's kind of what LeBron does he's like I'm not going down three to one in the first series and he just willed it into existence. I think if the Pacers would have been able to clinch that last game, they would have the series locked down. But that's where that inexperience comes into play. Old Depot is coming into his own. But the Pacers, in terms of experience, just aren't there with the Cavs. Now, they're looking good right now at halftime. But I don't think they put that kind of put their their foot on their throat in the last game where they really could have locked up the series. But,
1: man, watching Oladipo, though, man, I feel like he learned so much from Westbrook last year as far as just kind of just taking control of his team. And Oladipo played outstanding this this regular season. But watching that game one where he's just coming up, taking that elbow jump shot, it's like, man, I've, he just learned so much from Westbrook, I feel like.
0: Now, he he definitely did, again, I think there's positives and negatives to take away from Westbrook. Uh, Yeah. I think he took away a lot of the positives. This definitely is not the Orlando magic Oladipo. And this is a big deal. If the Pacers come out of this series, you know how many first rounds LeBron's been knocked knocked out of? None. None. He's never lost a first round series. So, the big question kind of going into it. Again, this series is a toss up so far. They're going back and forth. There goes that timer. So I'm going to end the timer. Again, this was kind of my hangover of the week. But I just just answered this in like a 30-second snippet. All right. If the Cavs got knocked out of this first round, which I'm asking if they get knocked out of first round, not, oh, they've lost two games. Yeah. Let's freak out. But if LeBron lost his first ever first-round series... What do you think he's doing?
1: Well, I don't know about what he's doing, but I'm going to say one thing, mass chaos in the sports world. Imagine ESPN. That coverage of ESPN is going to take away everything from the playoffs, and it's going to be talking about LeBron and Cleveland.
0: And that's where my hangover will get even stronger because this has been one of the more entertaining playoffs I've seen in the last couple of years. It's going to take away from it. Where the East is actually fun to watch with the – like the 76ers kind of rising up and taking trying to kind of take their place in the east this has been a fun playoffs i don't want to see the coverage get away from the playoffs but man this is this is a big deal if lebron gets knocked out in the first round again still a couple of games to play but like we said right now at halftime indiana is up over cleveland let's see if they can maybe go up three to two and take it back home
1: Okay, that's our wrap-up for the playoffs. I know it was kind of quick, but we wanted to keep it quick for you guys so we didn't want to drag on. We can go on and on about the playoffs because this is the best time of year for the NBA. It's going to be fun, and I cannot wait to keep watching it and also cannot wait to keep bringing you guys our feedback, our analysis each week on the podcast.
0: So moving on from the NBA playoffs, it's that time again. It's time for... Last Call. And again, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the show, Last Call is just a couple of minutes, something we wanted to get off our chest, maybe one story we wanted to touch on real quickly at the end of the show that we didn't want to devote an entire segment to or we didn't necessarily have time to get to. So this week's Last Call, AJ sent me an interesting article earlier today, so I'm going to let him cover this week's. So AJ, take it away.
1: Now, growing up in Atlanta, and as far as being a Falcons fan, I really wasn't, but Michael Vick is in the news today. Nothing bad. (laughs) I was (laughs) about to say,
0: you got to be careful saying
1: that. (laughs) This is good good news. Well, it came out today, the Alliance of American Football, which another football league to not necessarily counter the NFL, but almost give viewers another league to watch during NFL offseason. It's supposed to begin in February. Well, Atlanta is going to have a team. And their offensive coordinator is going to be Michael Vick. Now, Michael Vick came out and said he's always had a passion for teaching, a passion for coaching. And the head coach of our Atlanta team is going to be Brad Childress, who is the former Minnesota Vikings head coach of the NFL. Now, this is going to be interesting to see. As far as NFL, you look at, let's look at, major league baseball you have minor leagues where younger players develop and you also have college and basketball of course you have college and then you have your g league the growth league where you kind of
0: grow as a player teams can can pick you up from there yeah
1: and for the potential to just get better and move on to the next level well for football all you have is college or you also have the canadian football league
0: which is a little different than just American football anyway. They have their own rules, own Mm -hmm. kind of field size. Things are, are a little different in the Canadian Football League.
1: Yeah. So, it's very interesting to see Michael Vick getting to this coaching aspect. I know last year, Vick got his start, somewhat start, as coaching, I guess you could say. He was a coaching intern for the Kansas City Chiefs with his former head coach at the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid. So it kind of got him into that and really maybe opened up a door where he's like, man, I really do enjoy this. Let me pass it on to my former, or these younger kids. So it's going to be fun to see. I don't think anything big's going to come from it. But as far as the viewers, as far as my my perspective, it's another thing we can watch Another you know, football we can watch because we all love football. I mean, it's the new America's pastime. We're talking about that pre show, how the NFL is the number one rated show on TV. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested to see what Michael Vick's going to do. I know that this is my last call. I just wanted to let, let everybody know about that. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's going to be, cool. I think yeah, it's gonna be and,
0: cool. And I agree totally. I mean, yeah, it gives you something else to watch. What I'm more interested in is what you touched on. It, it just gives those players who aren't in the league kind of another outlet platform, another outlet to, to get some real tape, get some real practice. And this is obviously under some real talent teaching them how to play the game. So these guys trying to make the league, hey, here's somewhere else they can go and really develop as a player. Like we said, the other leagues have better leagues already in place. you got the minors, Double A, Triple A, and then you go to the NBA, G League, NFL. That's one area they've kind of been hurting is the development. It's basically work out on your own and keep trying out for teams, or go to the Canadian Football League and send down some tape, which that can go either way. I mean, like we said, there's different rules. So to have this league, the Alliance of American Football, I think the rules are going to be probably identical to the nfl and this is exciting they're going to be playing at georgia state stadium turner field yeah so good job michael vick really trying to kind of continue his legacy of i mean he's really turned himself around and had a few good years playing in the league after his whole incident and he's really trying to be a mentor for that next generation coming through and i i think it's cool that he's doing it in atlanta
1: yeah one last thing I want to add before we wrap this up. You know, the first team that was announced was going to play in Orlando, Florida. And that team is going to be coached by Steve Spurrier. So they're getting some names for this league. Now, and there's been other former NFL players linked with the league. I don't know if it's as far as coaching or providing um, advice or insight. You got Justin Tuck, Jared, Jared Allen, Troy Polamalu, and Heinz Ward. So you're kind of getting these backing of like, well-known NFL players, and it's only going to help the league.
0: Well, congrats on the uh, Alliance of American Football for really kind of stepping up and taking a role in developing this next generation of players. Yes. Okay, everybody, so that is our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Like we said, come follow us on Twitter, at Ballers on Tap. Find us on the podcast app or on iTunes, iTunes, Again, ballers on tap, rate us, subscribe Subscribe. us, subscribe to us, leave us a comment, find us anywhere, leave us suggestions for beers to try, maybe anything you want us to talk about. If you have a sports story you're wanting us to kind of touch on, we're definitely going to do that. Like I said, for you Android people, find us on the Stitcher app. It's another podcasting app for Android. Android. You can do the same thing there. Go ahead and subscribe, comment. But Like we said, definitely reach out to us. We want to go back and forth with you guys, our listeners. And whenever you subscribe, I mean, it's going to let you know. Every week we put up that new show and you keep giving us suggestions to really help keep this thing rolling. So that is my two cents. Anything
1: you want to close out with? I mean, one last thing. I know you told him um, to subscribe and follow us on Twitter. But yeah, if you don't agree with anything we say, especially I know I stirred a lot of Falcons fans up, including my co-host with the Julio Jones uh, trade.
0: I'm still heated about
1: that. <laughs> especially with that trade, man, let us know. Let me let me know on Twitter. Or let us know on our review. Like, hey, you know what you're talking about, or this is really what's gonna happen. Let us know, because we're we're all open for that. We love that. We love the feedback. We love to hear from you guys. And we I appreciate for everybody who listens to us we're going to continue
0: coming to you every week
1: and we're looking forward to it.
0: All right, everybody. So thank you for listening to this week's ballers on tap. And, uh, we will catch you same time next week.